And welcome to another exciting episode of the Dick and Vic Soccer Hour here at Wiccan Chicken in Santa Clara, California. Are we in San Jose or Santa Clara? No, we're, we're actually in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. So uh, this uh, establishment uh, has a special place in my heart, seeing as I went to Santa Clara University across the street. Uh, just a classic wings and beer joint. Definitely has that sports bar vibe. Uh, I'm Vic, by the way. And, and I'm Dick. Uh, <laughs> And, and we, have, we have Joe Dixon across from us here, joining us here. Hey, tell us what the previous name of this establishment was when you were here. Well, it, well just a quick history for our listeners. So, uh, it's been a wings and beer spot in some form or another since I don't know when. Uh, it was originally called uh, Cluck U Chicken. Then it was University Chicken. Then Smoke Eaters. And then uh, Matthew, uh, the owner of the joint, also a Bronco SU grad, bought the place, rebranded it as Wicked Chicken, built up the craft beer program. So it's a pretty pretty solid spot, very consistent. I don't know. I would have gone with Cluck U. Yeah, yeah, that that's back. a good Should've name. Back. Yeah. Hashtag back. bring back Cluck U. Hey, well, we'll see what we can do on that <laughs> front. But our deepest apologies um, to our listeners. Alex Morgan will not be appearing on a podcast. She's uh, too busy. Uh, Scoring goals and friendlies. Yeah, kicking ass and taking names. And, and uh, going to actual places called Cluck U, which is not Yeah. <laughs> well, well um, no, she, she did go to UC Berkeley up, up the street. But she's probably busy celebrating... Uh, the qualification of the uh, U.S. women to the 2019 World Cup, it's official. Mm-hmm. They actually steamrolled it. They steamrolled everybody in the CONCACAF championship. championship. Yeah. I mean, was it was it ever competitive? No, no. So Look, let's, let me take a shot at the men here. Let's just say there's basically never a time where the U.S. women will be in a not-making-World-Cup territory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, match day one of... Okay, so here's the CONCACAF Women's Championship. 6-0 against Mexico. 5-0 against Panama, 7-0 against TNT, uh, you know, please pay attention to this, U.S. men, uh, 6-0 against Jamaica, and then 2-0 against Canada in the final. So Was that was that TNT result uh, somewhat uh, vengeance for what happened on that fateful night I don't think the women give a shit what happens to the men, and they're not concerned with like anything else. It's always been when up our shit. You know, men-wise, so mm-hmm. they came up and they handled it like they've been doing for countless of years. So, mm-hmm. yep. And then uh, win nil against Portugal and Scotland in a pair of friendlies recently. So All that's, right, that's but I mean, well, hold on though. One nil, Portugal and Scotland. Mm-hmm. Back to that theme of uh, Europe getting better, Europe rising. Yep. Uh, but then again, you know, we have to look at the personnel the U.S. women had. I mean, it was definitely not their A team. Let's be honest. You know, this is a time for tinkering on the part of Jill Ellis. She's going to figure out what players are going to be in the frame for France 2019. So, uh, say what you will about Europe catching up, but I think there's enough distance between the U.S. women and the European counterparts. I, I'll call it right now. They're going to win it in 2019. Wow, I think so. Who goes to the final with them? I'm going to say U.S. And I know y'all are going to throw shit at me. I'm going to say U.S. Germany final. U.S. takes it. Wow, okay. Guys wearing a Germany. French women, German women in the semis. Germany goes for a penalty case. So, do I think the U.S. women are going to win it? I would like them to. Do I think it's going to... I think this year is going to be one of the most just... Going to be a lot of parody this year. I think the Danish women has some stuff going. Um, French women, 
even the English women, I mean, they lost barely. Mm. Uh, that was an own goal they lost by the last one. It's, right. it's, it's because Tony Dugan plays for them, and she, play, and she plays for club ball in Barcelona. You know, Tony Dugan is one of my faves, but um, I don't think that's just it. I think we're going to have a very, it's going to be parody. We'll see what can, can we just coin a new term now, the Dugan effect? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there right now. We will reference the Dugan effect on subsequent pods. <laughs> Trust me, guy was absolutely smitten with her. It was like, you know, she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She's a, and she scored a lot of goals. She's a woman. There, you know, let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say USA France in the final. And USA wins it. Yeah. Penalty kicks or they win it outright? I think it's be PKs. I, I think I think it's I think it's fair to say, given the recent results in the Concacaf Championship, the U.S. women are head and shoulders above the competition worldwide. What? Hold, hang on a second. You, 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 you got to hear me out, Joe. Okay. All right. You got to hear me out. They, they won't they won't get beat in the World Cup. They'll lose it as a result of Jill Ellis's tactical decisions. So what you're saying is they're the warriors. If they lose, it's because they beat themselves. Yeah. My, Could very well be. Yeah. My argument here is. One, I would never base anything world-related on CONCACAF, <laughs> ever. Um, but secondly, I think, I don't know, I, I really, I mean, you're seeing the rise of club ball in Europe, the club European women ball, like, they're, I mean, let's just say it is, Europe is rising, and I, I think if the U.S. women lose, it will be mostly because of the underestimation slash the fact that they were playing CONCACAF and they thought they were really good by beating Trinidad Tobago 7-8. Hey, hang on a second. You, you, don't, you mean to tell me that uh, that kicking the shit out of uh, CONCACAF teams isn't uh, a morale booster? I mean, they, they, they wiped the floor with them. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not a morale booster, but I think the, the, the other side of that is that it's a, it's a license to cruise. When you start beating so many teams and you're like, oh, we're so good, like, you, I mean, you've been dominant. The, the problem that's going to get this U.S. women's team is complacency. Hmm. They've been so dominant, and they're just going to think we are always going to be dominant. Even I, regardless I, of what they say. I was pleasantly surprised by how they had their foot in the accelerator that entire championship. Hmm. They, they, they they were not cruising at all. I mean, no, th- no. those those results, they were beatdowns, Joe. They were hungry, but, like, also, it's easy to be hungry when teams are just letting you walk into their net. Like, when you have players that are, like, think about it this way. It's like if we took So the U.S. isn't that good. It's the, it's the rest of that I'm bad. Not this, I'm not saying that per se, but I'm saying... It's like if we took Messi and put him back in the times of, like in the in the 70s, 60s, like you put a Messi in like 50s, 60s soccer, I swear to you, every player on that field has exploded. Hmm. They like, they actually, they break down because they cannot compute what's happening. You gotta like how this guy just walks away from the microphone during the podcast too. I mean, he would do that in the here. studio and, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't just be uh, when him and I were doing the podcast. He would do it then, but he would also do it in the studio. That's yeah, so, funny. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to keep going. Right. It's like, dude, you know, take care of your business when the microphone's not hot, you know? It's fine. <laughs> no, no. To your point, though, I think that, you know, it's a little bit of both. I think that the disparity between uh, the U.S. women and uh, the domestic competition, at least the, the, you know, regional competition is huge. I think the gap does narrow in Europe, of course, but uh, it's yet to be demonstrated that a team can hang with them on a consistent basis, right? Because... Japan beat the pants off of that. Well, it was a close, you know, close game. Uh, that one World Cup where Japan won it. Uh, 
wasn't a factor the next World Cup final. Uh, I don't think that uh, another team has been consistently, you know, the threat to the U.S. women. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying when I say Europe rising. Like, mm -hmm. we've talked before about the Euro Women's World Cup that I watched two years back. It was 12, right? Mm -hmm. No, it was 13. Mm -hmm. 13 was the year after the minute. Um, no, it wasn't 13. No, I'm crazy. It was literally last year. Mm. Sorry, guys. Um, but I talked about how I watched the women in Europe get better. And... What's happened trends-wise is these bigger clubs, like Barca's women's team, they flew out here with the men. Mm -hmm. That's when Vic and I saw them, but mm -hmm. Barca's putting their best foot forward. Right now in Europe, there are a lot of teams, people shaming Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid coach, right. or Real not Madrid having a team, yeah. president for not having a women's mm -hmm. team, because it's now getting to a point where it's so outdated to not have a women's team. Right. And when Europe's putting that much effort behind their women, what I'm trying to tell you is like, and, and that's club, not even country, because your your women's was a national team, and that's clearly an important thing now. But we're starting to see big club teams really putting money and clout behind the women's European Championship, um, club-wise. So when the women's club is that heavy, their national teams are that heavy. We're going to face a situation where, kind of like our league, I honestly would say U.S. women nationals should be playing in Europe mm -hmm. at this point. Um, I probably wouldn't have said that a little bit ago, mm -hmm. but the European field of competition is getting so much better, so much more money, mm -hmm. so much more clout that at this point, I think if you're a women's player and you're not playing in Europe, we're going to start seeing that be like the men's now. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, we're going to start seeing our women's national league being a detriment unfortunately mm. So. Mm. yeah no it's fair enough i mean the infrastructure is already there for the women it's just a matter of getting access to it right and they're starting to and the same sort of effort that's going on you know between uh, our or for the men over in europe football hub you know is being given to the women so that that is the biggest threat to the u.s women for sure yeah. because for better or for worse, you know, they have been on top because the U.S. has given the most attention or the most equal access to women in sports, thanks to Title IX. Yeah. And had to reload, I mean, uh, you know, because of the nonsense coming out of Joe's mouth. I'm, like, I'm oh, used man. to you walking away from the microphone. It's, it's okay. Jeez, I had to just... Well, it so happens at least I, once I, a month. It was like a mini rage quit there. Oh, uh -huh. <laughs> You know what? That's a win for me. Uh -huh. um, no, but you were saying, like, but I, I would say the Title IX biggest effect has been on the college scene. Mm -hmm. and well, that's where the development well, of yeah. women's players has yeah, been in this country. That's what I'm saying. Like, getting to the national domestic league, mm -hmm. the fact that that's not... I mean, how many times have we seen them have issues? NWSL having issues mm -hmm. with rights and like getting... like the, the thing is you said about the infrastructure in Europe, we're about to see the European women's leagues take off because they have the infrastructure and those teams are putting power into it and money and UEFA is as well so now we have a situation where like lack of organization on the US side is about to really lead to that golf let, let's let's let's, let's let's be honest the, the 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 club game women's club women's club football has been given lip service in this country poor management of leagues have led them to go belly up and in my estimation the US Soccer Federation is all about just 
having a strong national program. And if women's club ball doesn't thrive in this country, fuck it, so be it. Yeah, it's not a symbiotic relationship like the MLS and the US well, Men's And it should be. Let me point out that we are starting to see uh, development academies for NWSL teams and for MLS teams um, to also have a women's uh, academy. As well, hell, about them. fucking time. But I mean, it's like... Say, uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, the unfortunate thing is I feel like what's happened the last couple of years with the women in Europe and how that club game is being pushed up, we're going to start seeing those effects down the line and we might see it this World Cup. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, your, your friend Kim, who's actually joining us on the pod, uh, was sharing before we went on air... About how uh, you know she she played uh, played soccer for uh, for a number of years. I mean, Kim, could you give could you could you give us some insight into uh, playing like through the youth systems and whatnot up to the university level? Um, yeah, I mean, what exactly? Um, uh, as far as uh, the level of support for the women's game and nurturing talent, that type of thing. We were basically talking about how the European club system is about to surpass the U.S. women's club system and how a lot of them are having a lot of support. And so we were trying to figure out the level of support here. Yeah, I mean, I personally think compared to men's soccer, women's gets very little attention. Um, I mean, even small things, like we didn't have a field in high school and we had to, like, borrow the boys. Like, I think it gets a lot less attention and love than men's programs. Um, but I never felt like it was to the point where I didn't want to play anymore because I didn't have good mentors or good coaches or, you know, infrastructure around it. But, yeah, definitely there's a lot of I will say, Kim was just recently a part of one of the more beautiful plays that I've been a part of in my last couple of years. We um, we went out the other day. What, she had to bill you out? She played left back? Uh, you <laughs> fucked up in the midfield? She had to clean up your mess? We were, anyway, we were out That's there. That's a yes. And um, Kim was playing on the left, actually. And uh, she was playing left back. <laughs> so we're out there playing, and um, she actually wasn't there to play originally. We ain't an extra person. She had sneakers on. Gets on, starts balling out, and essentially what happens is I'm in the center man, I get the ball, hit, turn on a guy, hit an outside the foot, right footed pass, that like gets through the defenders, perfectly onto Kim, who plays it back to the forward who's standing in front of the goal, just taps it in. Um, it was gorgeous all around. I personally was impressed with the outside the foot pass, but you're not supposed to be impressed. You know what? It's funny because um, this is going to sound really bad, but. You know, I've been watching a game or two, and something's happened. I've gotten up and been like, ooh. And Kim will tell you, I hit that pass, and I was like, ooh. And, um, and then she finished it in just a perfect way. Um, yeah, Kim's a baller. I gratitude 100%, because if that pass had gone unproperly finished, I would have been sad. All right, so uh, can can we uh, flip this? Can we uh, change topics and talk about some shitty uh, the, the the dumpster fire that is the U.S. men? Mm. And and as I as I mentioned the term U.S. men, I look over to my right and uh, Dick just grimaces like, oh man, like well, so head, gonna, head in the hand, you know. It's just disappointing to well, see. Well, here's the thing. I'm gonna throw something out there. The game before the England game, I cannot remember who they played. Peru. Was it? Peru? Yeah, Connecticut. Was it? I'm not sure, but I, there was a game before where we played a majority of the youngins, almost all the young kids. We had, um, what's his name, um, on the left side, 
this guy I'd never heard of before. Um, Anthony Robinson? No, not Anthony Robinson. He was there. He was there. It, no, it was Columbia. <coughs> the Columbia game. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I did not think that was a dumpster fire. I thought you go with the youth. I thought there was a lot of room for improvement, but like those guys, they played well, and you could you could tell if they got a little more time together, they would understand each other. Um, it was a left wing because Tim Weah was on the right. You had Kellen Acosta, Julian Green, oh, and. He plays out too. He's short. Yeah. What was that team the other night against England? Oh, Kenny Sayef. Yes, Sayef. Like that kid. I think Kellen Acosta, Sayef, Green, Tim Weah. I think they had, they had some good chemistry. I think you play those kids together for. But I think I can tell you, there's a huge difference seeing all the young U.S. men play together than the the like having a mix of the older and younger and everything. The young ones, they do the flicks and everything. And yes, sometimes it doesn't come off because. They don't know each other well enough, but you can tell they all have that DNA of understanding proper play. Well, it went horribly wrong the other night at Wembley. Did we, did we play enough of our youth the other night at Wembley? We did. Guzan playing yeah. as a keeper. Well, um, yeah, so Stefan was injured. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't start Tyler Adams. They started Will Trapp instead. Uh, Josh Sargent was injured, so they started Bobby Wood. And Bobby Wood did not find the game at all. No, not he just at all. had a horrible time out there. Is, is Josh Sargent the the player that looks like Carrot Top? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kid. He was the one he did really well against Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Sargent's going to be involved. That yeah. that seemed yeah. a wor- that was a world away. I mean, before we came on air, I, I was struggling to find any superlatives to describe to put a positive spin on the performance. What? Nothing. Nothing You're positive. Yeah, well, nothing I mean, positive. England is. Where, where is this yeah, team England's, headed? Where is this team headed? Listen, listen. Where is this England team headed? Finished fourth in the World Cup. Well, we didn't. The, we but, didn't qualify. But at the same There's time, that was England's gap. second string. And I mean, I think the question is, I think the question coming down for the men's fans has to be, do you temper your expectations? Do you say just qualifying for the World Cup and having a program that is building forward? Is going to be what we need, or are you out here really like we should be winning it in the next? That that's taking uh, that's taking that's taking on a how many steps back. With what players are we going to be winning the World Cup next cycle? Though I mean, <laughs> come next on. Cycle. <laughs> <laughs> next cycle is I think qualifying should be our but goal. But everybody wants that though, right? Like, what, okay, what would you say in the realm of like from U.S. national fans, men? Where do you think their expectations are? Do you think people are logically being like, eh, if we qualify, that's good? Or do you think no, people no, are people, like people expect that we should be winning it easily because we're the U.S. Still. Well, yeah, let's, I mean, that's a thing. But, but you know what? Here's a different question. It's not even the fans. I feel like pundits are still on that shit where it's like, yo, we should be... We should be winning it. And it's like... Just, just based on the fundamental reason that... Again, at the risk of sounding nationalist, right? It's the U.S. And look, look, look how many resources we have access to, and we can't field a competitive team. I don't expect the, I don't expect the U.S. to win the World Cup, but just to be competitive. Well, I mean, competitive with who, the, though? That's the, the thing. Well, competitive the, with the rest of the world. I think the, the rest of the world skews all over the place. But no, I think the resources. Right? I mean, I think the resources might be the the problem here because. Because we have resources and we're a capitalistic society, the resources are priced at a premium, and you can only afford the resources if you can afford it. You're talking, you're talking, you're talking pay to play, which which you covered before. Of course, yeah, no, yeah. we have, yeah, but we at know. the same time, you're saying you're talking about the resources, and I'm saying 
we're using the re you're using the resources as like well we have it so we should be better it's like no that's a on, on paper it seems smart but on in reality the resources actually pushes us the opposite but it's not it's not a question of resource it's a question of how the game is perceived in this country i don't think it's perception i think it's oh it's how, huge no, i think it's how from the federation's perspective how they push the game if you're like now we're starting i mean think about how long it took for people to be like oh you know what you Klopp may have had something when he said young u.s players should play out uh, uh in other countries how many people Jurgen Klinsmann, yeah. uh, Klinsmann, sorry yeah. um i mean you remember morris in seattle how now we look back and we go it was dumb for him not to play out of the country mm -hmm. but before it was like this kid's a hero He's so you just confused Jurgen Klopp with Jurgen Klinsmann you, 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 you confused a losing coach with a winning coach I didn't confuse him but also will history look at Klinsmann as a losing coach or is the coach who spurred the US to start doing no he's he, he flat okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna quote uh, Dick's favorite pundit on being sports Thomas Rongan Jurgen Klinsmann he was a flash in the pan that guy, he was a flash in the pan. Sorry. That guy said... Uh, Yogi Lowe made him look good when he when he managed Germany. He goes to Bayern Munich, gets embarrassed, comes to the U.S., all these lofty goals, promises, look how it happened. Look, look, look how it panned out. But at the same time, he could be argued to have been one of the first U.S. coaches that actually started going youth forward and actually said, hey, let's not make this just about America. Go out and play abroad. So, I mean, he definitely had an impact. I think... If and when eventually the U.S. win a World Cup, he will be looked at as one of the people. Because it's not going to be because we're playing in the MLS. No, like, think about how many young kids, like, it's starting, I'm starting to notice it is a badge of honor for them to talk about the young U.S. players abroad. And that wasn't how it was before. So when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, when the U.S. win, it will be with players that play abroad, one, and two, it will have been because Jurgen Klinsmann made it more acceptable for the U.S. players. Well, they, they're 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 playing abroad, and uh, look at how look at what happened the other night at, at Wembley. Just because they're playing abroad doesn't mean that they are top tier players, though. That's the thing. So there. there's there's playing abroad, there's being a first team regular, and then there's being like bench players, which is most of what the yeah. U.S. players are. Yeah. Even Christian Pulisic is a bench player at this point. Yeah, because uh, what Sancho is just doing. So yeah, much, he's uh, doing the business at, at, at Borussia Dortmund, so, big mean, time. We have more academies nowadays. We're putting out better players. Those players are going to Europe. It's just, it's going to be, I'm thinking decades before the U.S. is anywhere near a conversation about being a top team in the didn't world. Didn't we say decades, like a decade ago? No, we didn't. <laughs> that's Ten years ago. It'll take decades. Faster than ten years. It'll take decades. still decades. Decades, uh, plural. God, God willing, <laughs> we'll have this conversation ten years from now. Hopefully we're still alive. It'll take another couple of the decades. And like, that's just, very well could be. Oh, man. Because think of the infrastructure that is in place in Europe, right? You, know, you have the whole... Think of the NCAA for football. That is what's in place in Europe for, for soccer. And it's all at a private club level. You know, they're not relying on universities and high schools to do the, to the coaching job for them. So that's, that is not in place for... You know the soccer playing youth of this country. You know, speaking you of youth, MLS teams I've, that have academies. Dick, I've never it. asked you this question. Did you play youth soccer? I played like yeah, my town league. Mm -hmm. And how, how would you, how would you, how would you describe the experience? I uh, mean, it was it was did, it was fun, but it was also like you know you don't get a lot of instruction. You don't really get a lot of time with the ball because um, the ball is like I'm sorry, the practice is the only time you're really going to be touching the ball, right? Because if it's not like you know the sport in a country. 
and it's not like, oh, I can make a, a living off of this, I can escape whatever situation I'm in from this, what's your incentive, right? So, I mean, for me, it was like a recreational activity. So that's something I didn't really pursue and then, you know, dropped it when uh, I uh, had other stuff to do. So I'm having a hard time understanding why the U.S. Soccer Federation, namely Ernie Stewart, is taking so long naming a permanent manager. Especially if it's going to be an MLS manager, which oh, they could have geez. just named. So we're, we're gonna, he, he's, he, he's waiting, till, he's, he's waiting uh, until uh, after the New Year to name who? I would much rather than take a longer Greg Berhalter? I would much rather them take a longer time than not. And you know what? There's a high likelihood they're waiting until after the MLS season is done. Well, the funny thing is, is because Burhalter is pretty much the only one that's been uh, interviewed. They haven't interviewed uh, Vermees. Uh, they haven't interviewed pretty much anybody. Yeah, so um, if, if Burhalter is their guy, the crew are out of it. They probably could hire him right now. They're not getting Tata. It's not respectful to um, just do I mean, we've seen a situation where a coach was named way too early, and I think that coach is fired now. Julian uh, Lopetegui, Spain. Yeah, so, you know, I think <laughs> you learn any, anything you learn, you, uh, you learn that you don't want to name your coach too early, especially when seasons are still going on and things of that nature. All right, so listen to this list. Um, Dave Sarikan, the current coach, was not interviewed for the position. Peter Vermees wasn't interviewed. Tata Martino was not interviewed. Jesse Marsh wasn't interviewed. Oscar Pereja wasn't interviewed. Oscar Pereja is going to be going to, uh, um, oh, where the heck, Tijuana, by the way. Uh, and then Bearhalter is the only one. So what kind of process is that if you don't have any competitive interviewing? So... I don't know. Let, let's uh, let's move on from the U.S. men because that's just uh, too much of a downer. Too much of a downer. Yeah. All right. Let's talk Nations League. Uh, match day five of six in the UEFA Nations League. Hmm. Uh, Italy and Portugal was on uh, when I left the house. Played to a nil-nil draw. Scintillating mm-hmm. uh, football. So I'll tell you guys one of the biggest things that I've uh, been surprised by the Nations League is the Netherlands actually are pulling out of their free fall. Ronald Koeman's come over and it seems like he's a Turning things around. Memphis Depay is playing pretty well. Like, I mean, you know who's playing well though? Barca prospect Frankie Dijon. That kid looks like a natural in the midfield. And it's sad because I don't know where we would fit him, but he looks like he looks like he's taken to um, playing professional, like national team football. Like uh, Arthur is taken to, to Barcelona. Like natural midfielder, and the kid's gonna be good. Um, and he played really well yesterday. But the Netherlands outplayed France so many different ways. Um, they definitely deserved their win. They 2-0. Got. They deserved that win. I mean, it was... In Rotterdam. A, it was a golfing class. Uh, the French team was played out of the park. And that's rare for them. But they didn't have Pogba. Um, uh, here we go with the excuses. No, listen. I, you know what? Just a little thing. Pogba was actually uh, having dinner with uh, Messi in Dubai. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, so what, are you, are, you, are, are we going to put the car for the horse here and suggest that Pogba's on his way to Camp New? I mean, that's been the talk, but really, where would we That's been him? the talk for now, how many, I don't know where we how long? Him. I mean, so, just... But no, getting back to it, um, I think the Netherlands, mark my words, they're, they're going to, they're out of their free fall. Is but it, a team that is in their free fall, still, um, I think Germany is uh, officially in pot B now. Yep, they They've are. They've been relegated. They've been relegated. You want to say anything about that, Mr. No, Germany it's, you know what, it's, the bottom line is, um, you know, they, 
the Federation made, made a mistake by bringing back Lowe. They should have uh, shown him the door uh, after that last World Cup. So, you know, I'm not... I'm not going to be uh, concerned about uh, the team as it stands right now. Keys, they get relegated to Pod B. What are you? Are you? Are you going to write? Are you going to write their epitaph now? They're not going to qualify for the Euro, Euro 2020. No, I mean, come on. But, I mean, but it's, I mean, if, Yogi, if it's a it, it's it's a glorified tournament, glorified friendlies. Uh, I'm not going to put too much stock into this. Um, if anything, I'd be more concerned if I was France because maybe the Netherlands uh, presented a blueprint for how to beat them. Look, honestly, my question with Germany here. Is but they didn't have Pogba. Let's yeah, they didn't. But let's like getting to the Germany thing. Really, if you're in a free fall, but you're not planning on making any changes, you're just re-upped with the same coach you had. Where where do you see things changing? The team might be in the doldrums for some time because they need to reload because their players are getting up there in age. And outside of Leroy Sanye, I don't see any other dynamic young German players coming up to the ranks. So uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get it together at some point. Uh, it, it'll probably take uh, more than four years, you know, it, maybe maybe six or eight. So mm. it's going to take some time. Uh, nothing, nothing lasts forever. And so, you know, the, the, the team hit its zenith, of course, uh, winning uh, – the World Cup back in 2014 and whatnot, having success in uh, continental tournaments. But we'll see. You know, watch this space. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if Poland's ever going to be competitive. Well, they just got relegated along with oh, Germany. Oh, so, uh, Yeah. But I mean, let's let's talk about the, the teams that are actually getting promoted, though, right. because it's just going to be like uh, any other European league where there's going to be the perennial powerhouses that stay, and then the rest just kind of bounce around. So, I mean, so out of League A... Uh, where we okay? So we have Germany, of course, getting relegated. Iceland getting relegated. Poland, and then it looks like uh, Croatia also. But let's look at the ones that are being promoted. This is uh, Ukraine, Russia, Bosnia, Bosnia Herzegovina, and Denmark. In that World Cup. That's because they're all you know, juicing, right? So there's the, the you know Russian doping program that is already you know that's that's well known. I mean, but does doping have that much of an effect in yes. football? If you recover from injuries and recover from matches quicker than everyone else, okay. you're going to be fresher for the next okay, match and you're going to run them off the you're pitch. So, uh, but it doesn't substitute for skill, though, and they play pretty skillful. Yeah, you can play skillful in the late minutes of the game if you're still fresh. So, but uh, but yes. you know, spe- but speaking as a science teacher, which is my day job, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it, uh, doping is definitely going to give you an edge. In fact, uh, wasn't there a recent report that came out about uh, Pep dabbling uh, yeah, with uh, yeah. doping and performance enhancing well, drugs? That's a thing from prior, but you need to Bayern, yeah. talk about the. Uh, He's still sending Man City players who are injured to uh, Girona. So, so basically, and that's where all the doping happens. Historically, Pep for, was a great player, played in Barca, and then wasn't he a doper he left, also? He went to yeah Italy, and there were at his stint in Italy, there were his. I mean, his career basically ended at um, late, mm-hmm. decorated, but there were some doping uh, controversies, yeah. mm-hmm. um, allegations, suggestions, allegations, yeah. yeah, and um, that didn't really just go away. And then for him to have them now. Um, at Man City, so that's like that's the recent thing. Apparently, he's been sending Man City players to a uh, renowned doping uh, doctor. Right, the same one that uh, I think. Well, that region is where Lance Armstrong was based out of too, for those oh, reasons. Yeah, we all, we all know how that ended. Yeah. But yeah. hey, bottom line is though, without uh, 
passing judgment, you know, I'm reminded of that line, you know, chin each unless you get caught. So teams, managers, uh, they're always going to look for that edge. So I'm not excusing it, but yeah, they're going to they're going to they're going to look for that edge when it when, when it uh, but it gets down to crunch time. Well, it falls on FIFA. Well, we're on a big tangent, but it falls on FIFA to uh, to enforce the rules. But it looks like Martin, I'm sorry, Infantino has just been looking the other way, both for financial fair play, which we'll get to in a little bit, and for this. So, yeah. Well, um, let's talk about. Do you guys think that Ukraine or Russia or Bosnia or Denmark will have an impact in the you know the Group A next or sorry, League A? Russia won't because they're not playing in Russia. Listen, if Russia plays like they did against at the World Cup. I will. Uh, I could see them having an impact, but they could. Any one of them could be spoilers. This is football, remember? Like anybody could be anybody on any day. You don't think they're just going to so, get bounced down the next year? Oh no, I don't really think so. But I will say, you know, contrary to Vic over here, I do like the Nations League concept and format. Basically, I know it's a cash grab for UEFA. Like it is what it is. But at the end of the day, it does make friendlies have some sort of import. You know. Um. The international break slightly means something now compared to when it just didn't, and it was just an annoying waste of time between um, mm-hmm. between seasons. So. I think so the only concern I have is that will you, uh, young players have less of an opportunity now because all these games oh, matter. Oh, because they matter? Yeah. Ooh, that's a tough, that's a strong argument. Mm-hmm. But you know how many old, there are a lot of older players who don't like the fact that young players, I was listening to somebody the other day, I can't remember which game, but he was like, you know, back in my day, you had to decorate your career and earn your spot on your national team. He's like, now we're just giving young kids like automatic spots without really, without them having earned it. And um, so I would argue that it is going, that it's already been going to a youth-centric system um, overall. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's gonna really have that effect. if if we're already seeing them play their youth anyway. Mm. Mm. Interesting. It's all about the money, guys. It's all about the money. Mm. I mean, especially when you have somebody like Johnny Infantino, FIFA president. Isn't it ironic that this guy campaigned about that he was going to clean up the sport and uh, re- the swamp? basically, and he, he pretty much is the, the swamp or part of the swamp. In no, fact, that's how that happens. I, uh, you know, <laughs> since we're talking about uh, European ball, uh, let's talk about Der Spiegel. German publication has been in the news recently. They claim that talks have been held by clubs to create a European Super League. I think that would ruin European football. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a dumb football. situation. And Johnny Infantino, to his credit, has said, if you play in the European Football League, you won't be able to play in the World Cup. Super League? Super League, yeah. But then again, if if the wheels are greased enough, he might change his tune. I mean, the, I mean, I mean, this this is the same so guy. What are their grievances? This is the same guy that, again, per Der Spiegel, uh, he actually intervened and avoided... The, the, the avoided Man City and PSG being sanctioned because right. of violations of financial fair play. Mm-hmm. He let them, you know, basically come up with their own fine amount that they wanted to pay instead of getting uh, sanctioned. Yeah, that's how you punish somebody. That's how I understand. Let them pick their own punishment, <laughs> and they will learn next time to not do it. <laughs> Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the European Super League situation is like the Champions League is good enough as it is. Like. They probably the Super Leagues want more money, blah blah blah, all that nonsense. But it's like, just let it be what it is. Like, you guys already have biggest European leagues already have the most spots. Like, what are the big clubs saying that they don't want to play with smaller clubs? Like, 
What do they want? Is it just money? They want to create like an NBA type uh, kind of league where it's only the best teams in the world. I mean, it's appealing in some regard, but it is like all the best players are going to be concentrated in that league. But but it's going to but but it's all it's also going to it's also going to dilute, in my opinion, the relevance of yes tournaments like the Champions League. If you have a European Super League, why have the Champions League? But that's the reason why Infantino wouldn't want them to do that. But at the end of the day, I don't think you would. I don't. I think the idea would be to pull out of the Champions League to play the Super League um, for these bigger clubs, and the Champions League would just end up being smaller teams. But overall, when it's all said and done, it's like that's just a silly situation because you're eventually just going to have the same team play each other over and over. And I mean, not to say we don't already have that in the Champions League in a certain way, but. You know, things rise to the top, but having Roma get as far as they did last year, as much as I hate and as much as I, at our expense, I wasn't that upset. Like Liverpool getting as far as they did, yes, historically they are a team that should be there, but they haven't been for a long time. So, like, there's an argument that could be made that if there were a European Super League last year, Liverpool would not have been a part of it. Um, because I would assume the Super League would have consist of. Real. I mean, I think it's clout more than anything else. Real, Chelsea, Man U, uh, Barca, Bayern, PSG. Yeah, there'd be a, a fixed number. I think like twelve, you know, top brands of the world that would be there, and then the rest would be like a rotating basis. Uh, the other per, like per, top per Spiegel, Spiegel yeah. it would be Real Madrid, AC Milan, Arsenal, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus, and Man U. Yep. What? That's a small number of teams. Like, but it's it's and it's quality over quantity. Well, here's the thing. What are you talking about? No, AC Milan has not been quality for a very long time. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. They have the notoriety. They have the history. It's, so That's it's not it quality over quantity. It's notoriety. Well, I'm, I'm, be, I'm being general with my, with my statement. And uh, I actually think it's going to happen. I, I, I think, think so. they're going to pull it off. I think the threat of those players not playing in the World Cup is bigger than anything else. Because mm-hmm. you can't tell me that any one of those players knowing how based on how their legacy is based on the World Cup would be like like you're not going to tell me Messi would rather play in the Super League than in the World Cup mm-hmm. and, and it, no big team is going to let him it's going to like Messi's not going to be like Barca it's fine if you guys want more money and I will not play who's, in the World Cup who's, right uh, who's behind Man City who are the owners uh, I mean, it's a royal family right you know what they'll just they'll deposit uh, a shit ton of money into Johnny Fantino's account and uh, his resistance will go away I'm going to tell you if that's the threat I highly doubt players like Messi or Ronaldo would ever say, you know what, I would rather lose the opportunity of winning the World Cup and going down to the top in history just to play in a European Super League. But, but, the, but the, the two players you just mentioned, they're done with the World Cup careers already. Mbappe isn't. Neymar isn't. Guarantee you, your biggest names... Oh, Neymar would, is just going to jump for the money. No, dude, I'm going to tell you... That, <laughs> well, he, that's what no, with the PSG. No, Follow the money. No, it's not the only reason. Neymar... Oh, his as, dad will jump at the money no, and then Neymar as, will have to go. As much as he wants the money, he also wants the notoriety. He wants to be known as the best. That's why he didn't want to be in messy shadow. And Mbappe is a flash in the pan. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're joking, but still. Oh, it's so ignorant on so many levels. I mean, I will say that Mbappe uh, didn't play well against the Netherlands. Can you just explain the inside joke that we just shared so the people don't think you're a complete Oh, we are, I think we already talked about our previous yeah. shows, but I'll recap for our listeners. Uh, Thomas Wrong and uh, Dick's, b- b- Dick's beloved uh, pundit on uh, being sports. Saying fasci- yeah, uh, facetiously. facetiously. Uh, he is a panelist on The Locker Room. So for those that don't know, 
and he made a comment on an episode that Mbappe was quote a direct quote a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. This so, was this was recent too. Yeah, so fairly recently after the World Cup, but not after the World Cup only, but after his uh, coming onto the scene in the Champions League last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, he'd be a flash in, a two-year flash in the pan who's still playing really well right now. So um, Thomas, idiot. Rogan? Wrong, wrong, and Thomas Rogan. You know what? I call him dumb shit. Here's the thing. Thomas is on my list of people, of media personalities that get shit. So there's him, there's a, what's that dumbass name? Alexi Lawless, that guy. Um, you know what, guys? There was a top ten of all-time list I was reading the other day, and this one really got me. So, was it? Wait, wait, were they rating, like, the top ten, like, shittiest no, soccer no. opponents? Best, top ten best soccer players of all time. And so the list goes on as you normally would see, right? Then it gets to eight, and it's Ronaldo. Messi still hasn't been mentioned, so Ronaldo's eight. Number nine, guess who? You wouldn't guess because it's so fucking unfathomable. Uh, Dick, you want to take a Landon stab at Donovan. it? Landon Donovan. No. Number nine was Gareth Bale. Number ten was Lionel Messi. What? I have already found this guy's Twitter handle. I think I've already gotten his email. This guy will get a letter. And, um... Gareth Bale? Yeah, so... You're so, just going to harangue the so, shit out of this guy? the funny thing. Even in the description of players, as number 10, he's, like, listing out all of them. Do you want to share his Twitter handle on air so I our listeners can... No, no doxing on the different <laughs> soccer. Hour. But realistically... He like he he's listing out all of Messi's accomplishments and like even Bale's like Bale's uh, description just not even close. It's just like, who yeah, the hell this. would ever have Gareth Bale above Lionel Messi in a top ten of all time? All right, we got about four minutes left in this uh, episode. Less because you uh, just dropped two percent in one minute. Uh, okay, so, uh, well you know what well, this, this this Mac will hang, but I, I I do I do have to ask uh, you you gentlemen's opinion about TNT's coverage of the Champions League. Absolutely abysmal. Speaking of champion, speaking of European ball, European club ball, it's abysmal. Listen, I watched. In, in, in fact, there was a recent there was a recent match where the feed cut out for like five minutes, like during the game. Yeah, they definitely the have some things to work out. But I will say, if you're not watching Bleacher Reports, the Champions cartoon uh, reality TV show, hilarious. Get on it. Look it up, the Champions. I just watched the feeds, and yeah, the feed cut out. Cuts out. Um, I really don't listen to their pundits because. Okay. MLS playoffs real quick. Joe, Atlanta United versus NYC. Or, I'm sorry, New York Red Bulls. Bombs, Who do you bombs, have? Bombs, ATL. Listen. Um, Timbers, Bulls, Timbers win it all. The Red Bulls are going to be wrong. tough to play. The Red Bulls are going to be hard to play. But mm-hmm. I think the first game in New York against the uh, New York City FC showed that uh, Atlanta can play dirty. Not dirty, but they can play. they can play a game where it's not on their terms. And they can do it away from home. Mm. And winning that game was crucial. So, Red Bulls are going to be tough. I think that actually should be the real final, but if we beat the Red Bulls, which I think we can, it's over. you got to be tidy with the ball because the Red Bulls counter-press really well. They do, they do. Um, but we hold the ball pretty well as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Darlington Nagby, the games he's been having, mm-hmm. um, if he can be healthy for that game, I mean, he's a little injured right now. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it's a big break right. between the two games. The Timbers um, are going to stealth their way to the title. I don't think so. I think SKC is going to put them away. I think it's going to be SKC and uh, whoever. Well, <laughs> I think it's going to be Red Bull, sorry, and uh, SKC. Really? So Red Bulls bounce uh, Atlanta out of Wait, the Wait, but what playoffs. happens if Atlanta wins and I've been calling it all season? 
Well, it would be a great way to say congratulations. Yeah, and it'll be a great way for Tata to go out because he's gonna be, he'll be the next manager of L3. Well, you know, it's not just that. I think the Falcons are officially out of it this year, even though the, the Super Bowl is going to be in Atlanta mm-hmm. because of our loss to Cleveland Browns. So Atlanta United is the first Atlanta team that has the ability to bring Atlanta a title since the Braves mm-hmm. back in 95. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will not pull a, a, a Falcon-esque choke job? Uh, if we didn't do it against New York City FC, I don't know. Uh, I think the, the thing is, if Atlanta does that, not only is football already huge in a soccer already huge in Atlanta as mm-hmm. a state or in Atlanta as a city, but if they bring it back, I think you will see the first example of a state that or of an MLS franchise that can galvanize people who are not just soccer fans. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hoping for. Right. right. You got about a minute? So when uh, Tata Martino goes to L3, um, amazingly, the San Jose Earthquakes will have the best coaching staff in MLS. Yeah, you know, that's that's so true because uh, Matias Almeida, Pelado Almeida, mm-hmm. just uh, named his assistants. Uh, the big standout, Benjamin Galindo. El Maestro. Yes, mm-hmm. Mexican legend. So, um, yet, yet another reason why this team's going to have a, uh, a, a strong Latin flavor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how do you feel about the changing dynamics with this club, Dick? I, I like to see. I, I really am excited to see where it's going because for the longest time they've been keeping this segment of the population at arm's length. Um, I hope they bring in some uh, uh, key players. They're already in talks, uh, apparently, to sell Magnus Eriksson back to his uh, original yeah, team in you Sweden. Just got him. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to free up a lot of cap space and they go after some big names. There, there, were, there were rumblings on Twitter about Imperiali coming back. What do you think? Um, I think that the fans want him back, but I'm not sure if he's up to the, the quality level. Yeah, so. All right. Yeah. Well, that just about does it for another episode of the Digavik Soccer Hour. Any last words, gentlemen? No. Uh, it'll be an exciting vamos, 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 <laughs> There you go. Cam, any last words? There will be some good games. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dick. I'm Vic. We'll see you next time.